Hello and welcome to the Makecast, the official podcast of Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment, a series of lectures on video game history as part of Mate's ongoing effort to preserve history through teaching and displaying playable aspects of rare games and consoles. As we approach our grand reopening, the support of people like you has enabled us to continue to bring history to you through lectures and interviews like the one you'll hear in a few minutes. But before we get into that, we have a little bit of an announcement. The Maid's official reopening, uh, as of this episode, will be tomorrow, June 10th, from 4 to 9 p.m. If you want to come by and check us out, our doors will be open. Uh, Address is 921 Washington Street in Oakland, California. Uh, The old Swan's Market location, right across from the Oakland Convention Center. Uh, Come by and check us out. Start signing up for... Uh, classes, uh, programming classes and everything. It's going to be fun. We'll be Um, back. We are back. All righty. But first off, I'm Red. I'm Chin. And I'm Miles. Today we're talking about one of Bungie's first titles, Marathon. Uh, It's one of their first titles. It's basically the blueprint for halo uh if you know anything about marathon and as halo. a guardian of destiny 2 i can definitely say there are a lot of stuff i see in halo and also in marathon that i can feel there they can be where destiny 2 come from mm-hmm. yeah this was a very very big game very popular game it kind of uh changed uh first person shooting uh that genre forever um this is going to be an exciting game to talk about, and we'll get right into that. But first, we have a little bit of news to get into. Yeah, so after 28 years... Years. So after uh, 28 years at Square Enix, uh, uh, Kingdom Hearts co-creator and producer uh, Shinji Hashimoto is retiring. Imagine work, <sighs> working 28 years in a game company and continue on making good games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's very exciting, but I, I I think he's retiring now and like leaving the next generation of the Kingdom Hearts games for the next generation <laughs> of programmers. Uh, given three games and, well, I have my own Kingdom Hearts talk that I've shared plenty, so we if will... If you start talking about that, <laughs> leave that alone. at least two episodes, I guess. <laughs> Yes, uh, maybe one of these days we will get into the Kingdom Hearts lore and everything about it, but not today. Well, I think in um, keeping with the Kingdom Hearts talk, uh, it should be in three parts. The first part should be done next week. Uh, the next part should be done a next month year. Yeah, and next the third year. part, we're not going to uh, say when it comes out. Yeah, the third part you're not going to see. We're going to promise it on yeah. uh, one podcasting platform uh, and then release it uh, 10 years later on another podcasting platform. That's a furry so- kingdom hot stuff to do. <laughs> uh, we're going to actually, one of the episodes is just going to be a written mail letter that you're going to have to send in to receive. Uh- <laughs> wow, that's very cool. <laughs> yes, it's a it's a, um, a visual only podcast episode, but not digital. Uh, it's also known as a book or a magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, we we'll probably uh, finish last uh, episode by the time when cyberpunks become reality. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, in other news, uh, Respawn Entertainment has announced the next uh, Star Wars game that they're working on, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, the follow-up to uh, Fallen Order. Uh, I'm excited for this. Did you? Did either of you play Fallen Order? I played about two hours of Fallen Order and really enjoyed the gameplay. I, I liked the open-world aspect and also just the fact that given that you have all these force powers the large way in which you are able to use them uh really showcases how powerful the jedi were um it's i'm excited for this next for this next uh addition into the franchise give more freedom to the jedi let them actually use their powers <laughs> stop making the lightsaber a baseball bat yes <laughs> is my one complaint yes. uh no, the Fallen Order series, like, I love Respawn Entertainment. I love Titanfall. Mm-hmm. I love, um... Titanfall you Apex? Titanfall. <laughs> Apex. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love Titanfall. I love Apex. Um, man, Star Wars, um... Fallen Order was really good. Uh, it's kind of a cross, but in case you haven't played it, it's kind of a cross between Metroid and Dark Souls. Yes, it's um, a good. It's a good combo. It's a bit like Metroid Prime in that there are these huge, sprawling open world levels that sort of wrap around themselves, and you have lots of gates and abilities and stuff that open new doors. It's almost a Metroidvania in that sense. Um, and then sort of the the blocking, counter blocking, parrying, um, uh, sort of Rochambeau aspect of of Dark Souls combat. Um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, they did a lot of good things with that game, and I'm excited to see what this next one is going to bring, especially with on the next gen to see what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be really exciting. Um, in another little bit of news, we have a new Pokemon, uh, a new trailer for the new Pokemon games, uh, Scarlet and Violet. Yeah, it's uh, definitely not red and purple. It's Scarlet and Violet. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's not red and purple. Uh, but it looks amazing. Uh, apparently, you're going to be able to have four-player co-op in this, as well as it being uh, open world. Uh, from the trailer, it looks like a cross between uh, Legends Arceus and, uh, I want to say, Sun and Moon, the previous ones. Or, uh, I'm out Sword of and Shield. Pokemon. Sword and Shield, sorry. It looks like a cross between those two, which is... Very, very exciting because Legends Arceus has been was supposed to be like the open world Pokemon game that we've been asking for since Pokemon Stadium. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a surprise hit. I'm I'm really excited to see what they do to fully flesh out that open world thing in a traditional uh, Pokemon format. They take a little bit different style on on the 3D modeling too, I think. Or the, or I should say, it's the rendering and the and the and the visual effects. And I haven't touched this Pokemon series for quite a while, and this trailer actually makes me have more interest in getting back to it. So maybe yeah, I'll give it a try. Yeah, it's gonna be exciting. Um, in other news, uh, Valve also has promised to fix Team Fortress 2. Yeah, if you're taking a look at the Twitter a few days ago or maybe last week, you can see a bunch of people have hashtag SafeTF2. 
and you may have no idea what's happening but the things happening on TF2 is this game is very old as all the gamers know and it's full of cheaters and all kind of bots and Mm-hmm. It's a so it's a, it's an old game, so of course I guess mm, the game developers may not be thinking, may not have priority to fix it first. But because so many players are saying they want they want them to fix it, so I guess they finally make a promise to fix it to be playable now. That'll be exciting. It's good to work on uh, older games and just keep them current. Uh, because I mean especially with all of these like online games, it's very nice to see that people are retake, like retaking charge of them and making sure that they have, excuse me, they're, they're they're taking charge and making sure that they're main maintained for future generations. I like to see that this classic game has, or, or has really been there for so long that I, I, I can't even remember when's the first time I heard of this game. I think the only time when people will stop playing this game is when they finally decide to make something like TF3. But I don't know going to happen. No, but yeah, they, they don't like the number uh, three, you know. Will come out first. They don't like mm-hmm. the yeah, they don't like the number three. Something like Left 4 Dead three. Nope. TF3. Nope. You know. Yes. <laughs> we're all just we're all just waiting on Half Life still, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last little bit of news: we have uh, God of War is one of the PlayStation Plus free games of the month. So get your hands on that while you can. Great one to play as we approach the release of God of War Ragnarok. Uh, this will be a nice uh, preview for people to get their hands on the story and finish it before the new one comes out so they're rip roaring and ready to go yeah this kind um, of news always makes me want to have a ps5 but i also heard on news that sony is saying they are uh, increasing the, the productivity of ps5 so hopefully by next year they will have more ps5 to sell because of course the sales of this year is not quite up to their standard just because mm-hmm how much just they produce enough. and yeah it's just not enough and imagine how how much of ps5 is still holding on because of the skyrocketing price of being put in a bundle so nobody has a touch on it so yeah. hopefully by the time uh, i think maybe next year or at least a little bit more than a year we'll have access to ps5 with a more closer pr- price to the original selling price right yeah it's gonna be exciting uh looking to get my hands on one eventually but we will see we will see yeah please i want to i really really want to play final fantasy 16 by the time it is so please yes sonny (laughs) help help a guy out let me pay pay you let me pay money to you (laughs) let me give you money please take my money (laughs) uh well, I think it's about time we get into the main chunk of this episode. Let's get into Marathon. Alrighty, so Bungie originally uh, started with Alex Seropian's Pong clone GNOP, GNOP, in 1990, uh, released on the Mac 2, uh, released on the Mac uh, two years later. Uh, he joined forces with Jason Jones uh, to publish uh, Jason's game, Minotaur, The Labyrinth of Crete. Uh, and then they uh, 
A couple years later, they hired their first employee together with Bungie as uh, Doug Zartman in 1994. So, Bungie released uh, Marathon in 94, later released uh, in 1996, along with Marathon 2 on the Pippin. Uh, So, the big thing about Bungie uh, releasing their game on Mac is... There wasn't very many <clears throat> Mac games that were enticing at the time. It was all console or, yeah, it was all console or PC. Mac games specifically were not huge uh, at the time. Yeah, it was a big deal that, that they were releasing, uh, you know, shooters and, and, like, big games on the on a Mac platform. Like, it was, that was kind of their thing for a long time. Yeah for a long time it's it's interesting to hear because uh bungie is almost synonymous with microsoft nowadays uh after the release of halo of course (laughs) but it's it was really interesting to see how they got their start with the mac and all the innovations that they brought with marathon into first person shooters so marathon was also originally planned to be a sequel to the 1993 uh FPS Pathways into Darkness, which is a notoriously hard game, uh, also very uh, kind of simply almost Dune clonish, as a lot of uh, Doom clonish, as a uh, coined by a lot of people at the time, but uh, very different aesthetic, much more sci-fi, not necessarily as demonic and hardcore as Doom was, mm-hmm. but. I believe uh, Marathon was announced at uh, July of 1994, but before the game actually re- released in later of the year, the game was actually leaked for two times of its early beta on the internet. Yeah. So the first yeah. time, the first time it actually got leaked, it's from um, uh, what is it? Uh, it was from, from a like advertising uh, guy, right? A, one, a person who got a test copy of it to play it, and then they leaked it onto the internet for people to check it out. Um, I forget the name of the I forget the name of the guy, but it was released uh, online, and then even later that same year, they got the beta got leaked again about a month before they released yeah, the official demo. Yeah, this time it's demo. even more bizarre. It's actually someone breaking into someone's hotel room and then just straight get a beta copy from what he got from the, an Apple computer. Yeah, this was a very uh, development-heavy game, too. Uh, the grind that these developers spent on this game was very in-depth, uh, before the release of the game, they Jason Jones <clears throat> kind of decreed to other players that they had to uh, they couldn't leave the building until they played the game twice, uh, which was uh, later came known as "play till you puke" mentality from Bungie. But <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> maybe not a very good look nowadays. But, not um. necessarily. But this was much more uh, independent. Like this was back in the day where they weren't these these developers weren't these giant corporations necessarily. They were more independent uh, passion projects uh, 
for some of these people. Yeah, you can tell from there. There's actually a marathon scrapbook. There, they have noted a lot of their pictures and how are the comments to the events. What during the development of marathon? If you have, if you want to take a look of it, it's really fun. You can tell the bungee on those days are a really fun team developing a game and they are way much more playful and i really like to to take a look at the comments on the pictures of it you can tell they're just a group of dudes and doing fun stuff mm-hmm. yes doing fun stuff like lacking uh getting no sleep and foregoing meals in order to make sure that this game gets released on time yeah and having a bunch of dominoes pieces yes <laughs> only the best for the developers <laughs> So, Marathon was first introduced at the 1994 Macworld show in San Francisco. Um, I think it was January or February. Um, and mm-hmm. it didn't drum up much interest. It wasn't really that exciting of a, of a thing at the event. Um, Bungie took all that feedback and pretty much overhauled the game, completely rewriting the rendering engine, rewriting the story. Uh, a couple months later, they re uh, introduced it at the second Macworld Expo of that year. Uh, and it was much more successful at that one, and that was in August, and it was released in December. So, well, they completely like re-revamped it in under a year. Yeah, they also had a a bunch of pre-orders at that second MacWorld show in in Boston of that like in Boston where they. Uh, they didn't really they had a bunch of pre-orders but they were also promising to release the game within two weeks of that launch uh which as you know it was even back in 1994 you don't necessarily need to pre-order games until they're out until they're Mm -hmm. done (laughs) they had uh yeah, it was interesting. I mean, they were rushing to finish this game and ship it out, so much so that the first copies of the games uh, were not even shipped in a box. Like, not even shipped in a box. Uh, they were shipped in four individual floppies, I think four four-inch floppies, and the manual kind of saran wrapped together. <laughs> Which, if you have one of those, you were a lucky first-comer to Marathon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but throughout Marathon's changes, they had a like early plot suggestions for the game all, were also ones that were suggesting you were on a human colony ship. You found this space artifact that would teleport aliens onto the ship, uh, and you were defending your colony as you were looking for a place to settle, only to realize that the aliens were actually defending their home from the human invaders. Uh, this idea was later scrapped, because they felt that it wasn't a good look to make the player the bad guy where you're just killing aliens trying to defend their home. Uh, but I definitely feel like that's a plot line that's <laughs> could be released in a lot of games today uh, uh, as more social commentary as well as just a unique twist that would kind of capture people as well. But there were there were elements of the original story that definitely carried through and have stuck with Bungie basically ever since. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Even now, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Mar- Marathon was not their first multiplayer game, but it was their like big breakout multiplayer. Oh, this has a deathmatch mode and people love it. Uh, that stuck with them. Uh, they've 
pretty thoroughly stuck to the sci-fi aesthetic with their major titles since then. Uh, they've had rogue AI, they've had megastructures, they've had alien invasions, they've had uh, fractions or uh, uh, sort of di fractional divisions between alien groups who are now infighting. Uh, spoilers for the late game of Marathon. Um, <laughs> Unlike the sort of, like, to, to differentiate it from a, like, simple Doom clone, it wasn't really a get-to-the-end-kill-all-the-enemies kind of game. It was solve puzzles. It was navigate these labyrinthine corridors and and uh, bizarre architecture of these alien spaceships and, and your enormous human colony ship. Um, there were objectives scattered all over the place. There were computer terminals that delivered lore and opened doors and closed doors and raised and lowered platforms. And it was this, each level was itself a puzzle in just mm -hmm. how to navigate. Um, yeah, it, like Labyrinthian sorry, describes it very much to a T. Like you can get lost in the map uh, very easily. I mean, because it had upper levels and lower levels, and if you went to a terminal to look at the map, you could... It was just very kind of all over the... Not necessarily... It was well-designed, but it was very confusing to navigate. And not a Find thing, yourself locked in corners. <laughs> another thing about Marathon's plot is that if you just played a game and didn't realize a lot of stuff in a game, you may not realize how much is, uh, how much is it, how much how much plot is involved in the game. But absolutely. In, but once you find something like there's, it is a thing that Bungie really likes to do. Even in nowadays, in Destiny Two, we call it. Oh, I'm just keep referencing it. But anyway. <laughs> no, go for it. This yep. is the episode for it. Yeah, it's the Bungie, Bungie, Bungie episode. And so what they like to do is they like to hide some collectible lore books in the game, which is basically just short novels and all the, all the plots that are happening behind or before or maybe after what you're doing in the games. Are hidden in the law books. If you don't read the law books, you're missing a lot of story happening in the background or in the story in general. And that mm. has been a thing ever since Marathon, I believe. Yeah, just the. <clears throat> I mean, the story was told through visiting each of these like computer panels along each of the levels. Uh, you got different different scripts, uh, different AIs telling you what to. Uh, what was going on and then you also fighting uh, what Durandal uh, was the rampant AI that was kind of sending you off on your uh, off into the wrong places uh, it was an, an amazingly complex game the one thing about the terminals that like differentiated it from Doom as well uh, is the saving mechanism there were specific terminals that you would visit where you would save the game uh, whereas like Doom, you could kind of just save at any point, anywhere that you got. But with the terminals being like your sole place of saving, it really made you kind of take your time and really play it safe to explore. Because if you didn't find the next saving terminal, you could lose a half hour of gameplay if you died and respawned at your previous save point mm -hmm. a couple levels prior. Um, uh, but 
the look of this game really stood out compared to Doom. Uh, one of the big things was that it was jumped. Uh, it was the first game where you used the mouse to aim. Yeah. So where Doom and everything else, you were using the keyboard to move around and look, and you really only had kind of one plane of aiming, uh, where like Doom would auto-aim. Uh, Marathon didn't have any like auto-aim. You used the mouse to look around completely and move with the keyboard. And this is the first iteration of free mouse movement with your hand. So it's definitely worth uh, revisiting or checking out some gameplay uh, to see where essentially every other first-person shooter sense has taken inspiration from. Marathon was also uh, one of the first games. Uh, The other game to to do this was released literally on the same day. Uh, uh, The first game to have dual wielding. Mm -hmm. Multiple Uh, weapons. Multiple different weapons. (laughs) And uh, most guns had an alt fire option. So while the actual like weapon selection was fairly limited, I think there were five guns, six guns. Mm-hmm. Um, the options you had with those five guns were like more like fifteen or twenty, mm-hmm. because you could mix and match. Um, you know, every gun had two or three ways you could use it, um, and it was it was just a very like it gave a lot more flexibility out of a very limited selection. It was very it was a very good idea. Yeah, it's like just the mechanics on this game really laid course for everything that Bungie made sense. I mean, the inspiration for Halo came from these marathon titles and they really uh, it put Bungie Marathon is what put Bungie on the map uh for the bigger public. Uh Pathways to Darkness was popular, but Marathon really became the big uh, like the big story and really laid 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 out their plans for their massive sci-fi epics um it they had a really incredible game and as well as just basically doing this with a very small team at the time mm-hmm. i mean compared to now i don't i don't think they had more than 20 people working on this game at all uh, uh i think it was even much less than that but they had a miraculous uh, turnaround in their gameplay. Uh, a little fun history about the development process about it. They, when they were redoing, essentially redesigning the entire single player levels, uh, they didn't. They said they they weren't really having fun, uh, and they kind of made the mistake for about four months of only play testing <laughs> the deathmatch and online modes with each other. Uh, <laughs> like, all right, we got this down. This is a fun. This is the fun part of the game. And then, like, oh yeah, we need to make the single player levels for people who <laughs> can't do online. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that was a really interesting way that they made all of this. Um, the big thing with their looking around as well is while using the mouse to free look, uh, you weren't just limited to looking left or right you could actually look up and down with the mouse which used a, a parallax effect uh on the screen so you were able to look up and not kind of mess with the code or like just change like glitch out when you're looking around and 
360 degrees of motion. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a very fantastic title. Um, Didn't they? They also were one of the first times to use uh, real time lighting, right? Yeah. Uh, So basically to go back with uh, rewriting their rendering engine they added the ability for uh, your guns and enemy guns to emit sort of light spheres um, which led to some really good like good looking scenes uh, where you're in these very very dark areas and basically your only illumination your only way to see where the enemies are because you know some of them are even invisible um, was to shoot your gun and sort of light up the area around you and see what was um what was what was nearby uh another way that they did this that i think takes um a lot of inspiration from alien or aliens uh, the second one Mm -hmm. was the uh motion sensor which was a little um sort of hud element that literally only did detect motion if an enemy was standing still you couldn't see them uh but uh there were a lot of little uh little tricks that the developers used to sort of cut down on um, uh, the need for for complex information displays uh, and instead turned sort of the act of trying to learn what was in the game and what was around you into an element in itself. Yeah, this was, I mean, just exploring an environment and not knowing what you're going into and... It, it provides a mystique, uh, just a a good level of mystery and uh, like tense, uh, a tense feel to all these games. It was really incredible. Um, as well, uh, one of the interesting things about this too is uh, Alex Seropian uh, also did all of these sound effects and the soundtrack for the game itself. So when he was doing the like all the gun sounds and everything sound very fitting for the game uh the soundtrack also really lent itself to uh just this ethereal spaceship atmosphere where you're kind of not sure what you're going to come across around every corner uh it's a really fitting game and it's uh, if you can give you can give it a shot now too uh Bungie made all the assets and uh, made the code open source in the late 2000s, uh, and they released the trilogy for free online as Aleph 1, A-L-E-P-H 1. So, as well as the first marathon, you can play the sequels uh, for free online if you wish. You can download them and actually give this game a shot. Mm-hmm. Um uh, one of the interesting things about the game itself, too, is this is back when manuals and other things actually provided story and good tips and tricks for the game rather than just going on to a Discord channel and talking to everybody else and finding out little tips and tricks. The manual was actually where you had the intro to the story of Marathon. So you would go into Marathon, you would read how uh, the Durandal AI actually started to go uh, rampant. Uh, That was the beginnings of that AI bugging out, uh, and then it would take you into 
out where you start the game and then you would load up the game and play it from there uh mm-hmm. it's a quite a unique uh and original i really wish that they would have more games like that with really good manual design but i guess that's not in the budget for these gigantic AAA games nowadays it's like you can we can just program the manual into the game <laughs> uh but yeah uh marathon has definitely left its hit uh uh, as well as like the 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 bungee symbol that you see on everything, that little circle with the uh, essentially the circle with the line into it that looks like an upside down power button almost. Uh, that was kind of laid for uh, a bunch of like mysteries and like hidden things to find within a bunch of bungee games, and this all started with uh, Marathon. Like certain levels, as you would pan out, would actually look like the symbol, and you're like, oh, this is this must be some some secret available in this one area or, Oh, this item has this logo. What could this mean for, uh, like the meta game? What could this mean for other secrets within marathon to find while you're exploring around these, your alien space, your spaceship, as well as, uh, getting transported to the alien spaceship and checking around, finding little secrets hidden there. Uh, but, Marathon has definitely left its uh, left its hold on everybody and laid bare uh, laid bare what was to come for Bungie. And without Marathon, we wouldn't have Destiny. We wouldn't have Halo. Uh, it was definitely brought Bungie to the forefront of first-person shooter games, as well as almost kind of saved Mac gaming as well. Uh, this was like the first big game to actually be popularized on Mac at the time. I think that's about... <coughs> I'm choking up. I'm, I'm missing Marathon so much. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is... Uh, this will be a great game to check out and one that you will be able to play at the museum as well. So mm-hmm. come by and check out Marathon and see where Bungie kind of got their start. So as we wrap up this episode, let's dig a little bit into what we've all been playing. Anything interesting? Anything exciting? So a couple days ago, I started playing Gunfire Reborn, uh, which came mm. out on Steam, I don't know, last year. Um I think it's still in early access, but it's 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 pretty good. Um, it's kind of a roguelike dungeon crawler first person shooter. Um, it's it's very very stylized. Uh, it's a bit Borderlandsy, where you sort of just wander through this procedurally generated dungeon and pick up guns and switch ammo types and and uh, uh, use sort of like one or two abilities that each character has. Um, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I've only put like three hours into it at this point but i've already sort of figured out uh my preferred build if that's a if that's a thing you can do in a roguelike Mm -hmm. but no it's it's a lot of fun um i think i've heard of that game are you playing it with your friends yeah 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 i I think that's one of those those co-ops game that i have been talking with my friends whether we gotta give it a try together or not 
just mm-hmm. because of it's a you know it's multiplayer games it's always fun to play yeah it's a it's a good multiplayer game yeah yeah i've been i've been still digging into kirby uh and the forgotten land which i am it it it's a very fun kirby game and just the level design alone is very you can make the game as easy as you like want it to be there's uh there's an easy mode, which is like where you start out with more health, and then there's the wild mode where you have less health, but you get more like star rewards, which you can use to purchase a bunch of other things in game. Uh, but it's just the level design at which uh, they really kind of ease you into Kirby's new abilities. Uh, with his like mouthful mode, you basically kind of suck a, a variety of different things to use in the world, um, in addition to Kirby's base. Uh, abilities that you can get which also have uh three different modes that you can select for each uh ability you later get to unlock like ancient blueprints almost on upgrading the abilities so for example like the fire ability you start out with like the base fire ability where you can launch yourself like a meteor you upgrade that one time and then you get essentially become a volcano kirby uh start shooting lava everywhere and you can still be like a a lot uh, a lava bomb flying through the air and then the final one you get you essentially become a dragon lord where you have this long piercing purple flame that catches everything on fire as well as uh just amazing design uh you also get to unlock uh, instead of playing as Meta Knight, uh, like in Nightmare in Dreamland or some of the older titles, uh, you get the ability to upgrade your sword to be Meta Knight's sword. So you have quick, uh, quick slicing abilities as well as um, uh, basically a sword beam when your health is at full. When your health is full and you're using the Meta Knight ability, you have a sword beam that launches out in front of you when you're playing it. Uh, the level design, just the way it introduces everything, uh, it allows you, like, introduces a base way to use this and then lets you explore and find out hidden secrets within the levels is really incredible. I'm having a blast on this game. Mm-hmm. I'll check it out. What about you, Chun? Anything new or just still deep in Destiny? Uh, I'm just still, you know... You still have to spend some time on grinding when the season just starts early. So I guess I've been grinding for a while until, <laughs> I, I guess, the end of June when Monster Hunter Rise, some break finally release. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. Once we get that on, we'll be... Once that comes out, we will be getting some... Some host play, some podcast hoster. Uh, oh, you want to hunting monsters? You want to have some hunt? We can get some hunts. We can get some hunts going. <laughs> That'll be really fun. Yeah, um, I'll be just sitting there and watch you go slam on the floor or something else. Yes, yeah, I will. I will be learning a lot from you as my. Uh, <laughs> it's basically I'm just asking you to teach me how to actually play the game. Just dodge. <laughs> don't get hit and kill it. it yeah, just yeah, dodge. exactly. Just don't. Just yeah, just don't get hit and then attack yeah. it when you yeah. can. That that it's just it's that a very simple. simple game. Yeah, it's a very simple game. Dodge and attack <laughs> and don't die. Yeah, just don't die. 
well, we want to thank you for listening to the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment's official podcast. If you have any thoughts, questions, corrections, or general museum ideas, please shoot us an email at info at And come by and check us out um, starting June 10th, uh, which as of this episode will be tomorrow. So come by and wait, uh, check us out at our new space and our grand reopening. Yeah. We'd like to send out a big thank you to everyone who donated recently and to our patient support and to our patient supporters who keep the meat afloat. Patreon donors get to listen to this podcast one week before it's released on major streaming service, and we we'll continue that with future episodes every week. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Patreon donors Justin Severson and Ryan L. Thank you so much for your support. Until next time, I'm Miles. I'm Chin. And I'm Red. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Later, gamers. I thought you're not going to say it, and I 